Welcome everyone to Bounce Off, the number one slam ball podcast. I am joined by Gage Smith, a graduate from Concordia University, second in all-time rebounds for the Bulldogs, a GPAC tournament winner in 2020 and 2022, as well as league winner in 2022. But more importantly, starting stopper for the mob, first guy to record a triple-double in slam ball history, 2023 slam ball season six champion and reigning league MVP. Gage, how are you doing today? Good, good, Sam. Thanks for having me on, man. Thank you for being here. It's it's a great opportunity to speak to you, to the guy who is, um, I think, universally the face of the new era of slam ball in many ways. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty cool, man. Like it's a, it was just an incredible experience, incredible opportunity, man. And I tried to make the most out of it. So, as we're filming, we're about two weeks removed from the um, championship game from the end of the season. How much are you getting withdrawal symptoms? <laughs> man, I'm still on that high, kind of like you never really like. I don't know. It's it's kind of hard to come down from from like talking to Marshawn Lynch, calling you his token white boy, and you know <laughs> everything like that. Well, that bit that, that bit wasn't Brian, on commentary. <laughs> no, that was hilarious, man. He's such a good dude, and that was just like crazy. And then winning the championship, like, uh, that was just like one of the like coolest moments of my life, man. So it's it's kind of tough to come down from that. <laughs> I'm glad you brought up the Marshawn Lynch thing because in prepping for this interview, that had totally slipped my mind. The best quote from the whole season. Him coming from the commentary desk up to you in the middle of a time timeout and saying it's an honor to effing meet you. How was that as just like a one second interaction? Man, yeah, I <laughs> it just caught me off guard. I was just listening to coach, and then Marshawn just creeps behind and shakes my hand. I'm like, this is just unbelievable, man. He's just such a good dude. And I think like he just respected my hustle and all that stuff. And just those words come from him, man. Like he was always in my fantasy lineup growing up. So like <laughs> it was just uh it was a big moment for me, man. And uh man, yeah, it was really cool. I think it adds a lot of um just from my perspective as someone who wants this sport to be seen as seriously as every other sport. Um, it adds a huge amount of credibility that you have a guy with his weight of of professionalism telling you as the face of this new thing, it's an honor to meet you in particular. Yeah, man. Like he he went on the tramps too and saw for himself, man. It's not easy. Like this sport is very difficult. It took us too much to learn how to fall, learn how to like prepare ourselves for injuries and all that stuff and try to avoid them. And uh yeah, I think like this is one of the most competitive sports out there. And it's it's just so exciting to watch, like five minute running clock. And I think I watch it all the time now, and it's just like that's just crazy. This came out of like nowhere, and I think it's gonna be big in the future. So are you watching the season just passed or are you going back and watching 2002, 2003, even the, the China League stuff? Or is it just what you competed in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, all that stuff. Like, I'm trying to see what, like, all those grades did back in the day and what I can take to my future game. It's like that. Like, I watched a lot of Cassidy, um, TA, Noah Blue, and I kind of wanted to be a mix of all those guys. And, um, uh, yeah, so I was just watching them and then watching, like, the game nowadays, like, I feel like the game nowadays is just more strategic. Like, I think uh, there's a lot of basketball guys with a lot of basketball high IQ and um, just watching, like, the way that they made cuts, like, trying to trick the stopper and all that stuff, I think it's very enjoyable. So I rewatched, like, the Lava. I'm, I'm ready to play them again, man. Like, they, they've given us a good challenge, man. And, like, going to that championship game, like, I, I saw us the Lava winning it. And, like, the Lava, like, had a tough start, but they were – they were a solid team. And then the Slashers, too, are a good team. So we just had to come out and execute. So, How did you feel? Do you feel like they were, the Lava in particular, were maybe underappreciated until the playoffs? Was that the, the matchup that you were most paying attention to? Oh, 100%. Yeah, like Bryce Moran, he went down with that ankle injury. And he's like the number one pick in the draft and everything like that. And they had like Jahad Shockley, which I think was a great pickup from them. And 
uh, Fessel Chavot, who's a great stopper, and um, oh, what's what's that? And then uh, number twenty, oh, man, I can't remember. Josh, Josh, oh, Josh, yeah, Josh, um, yeah. So they had a solid lineup. So coming into that championship game, I was like, oh, this is gonna be a real test to see like we can complete this undefeated season, man. And I'm just glad our guys just um, like it was a lot of pressure coming to the game, but we just came out and executed and you know got that win. So. On the undefeated season, as that became more and more likely and more and more of a reality, did the pressure start to increase for you guys? I know people were telling me earlier in the season, there's no pressure. We're just here to, to you know, we're going to win it all and that's not a pressure thing. But when you get up to 10-0, and 0, it has to build to a certain level, no? Right, yeah, 100%, man. Like, going in 10-0, and 0, everybody wants to beat you. Everybody's, like, trying uh, just, like, they want undefeated – um, they want the underdog and stuff like that to take off the mob and stuff like that. So there was a lot of pressure. There was a lot of people wanting to beat us. But, man, it was just, like, going 18-0 and 0 and uh, possibly being one of the best slam ball teams, like, ever, man. It was just – it was just incredible. But, yeah, I totally, like, you could – it wasn't really pressure, like, um, but it was just, like, man, we just had big – like, we've set ourselves up for big um, big things, so we just got to finish it and fall through. And then the championship came around and, like, that would have been newsworthy, man, at the mob loss, so we had to handle business there. <laughs> I mean, we'll get into this past season more in earnest in a moment, but I want to start from the very beginning with you and, and life pre-slam ball and everything. So on top of basketball, I know that you played baseball in high school. What other sort of sports were you playing at that time? Yeah, I played pretty much um, all alone. So I was baseball and basketball, really. I was just deciding, like, we're doing one of those two in college, and then I decided basketball because, I don't know, I just – Felt more upbeat, more things going on. So, I don't know. I just always loved basketball. And then I also played um, soccer my freshman year and then uh, football my sophomore year and then golf my senior year. I wanted to keep playing football, um, like, all uh, my senior year, but then I broke my face. So, I wanted oh. to play one more other sport. Yeah, so I uh, ended up playing golf during that time. So, but I really loved football, man. Like, I wish I could go back and play, but, you know. A lot less contact in golf than in football. Yeah, football. right, yeah. <laughs> Uh, and yeah. I guess that means you were comfortable with the face mask during this last slam ball season. If you, if you're accustomed to breaking your face. Yeah. Right. So yeah, when I broke my, I broke six bones right here, man. And Ooh. like, uh, there, yeah. Like I kept getting popped in the face and stuff like that. So I, I ended up wearing those face masks. I was like, yeah, it would suck to break it again. So, you know, I just kept, kept wearing it. And then at the end I was like, I couldn't really see out of it a lot. So I just was going to be like, yeah, whatever happens happens. So, right. Yeah. Um, so where did that love for just all sports come from? Is that a family thing or did you find yourself going towards that on your own? Oh yeah. My dad, uh, he was, he's a big, like, um, like sports guy growing up. Like he, he played, he was going to go to D1 school, but then ended up going to the military for a little bit and then just worked, um, became a bodybuilder. And then like, so he's, he's always just had a sports mindset. So he rose me and my brother up to try every other sport out there, man. And um, I think that's just like what helps like, like this sport specifically slam ball, it's like every sport together at once. So I think like the best in the sport are the ones who grew up playing every single sport. So I think um, that really helped me out for the season, but yeah. So pretty much my pops. Just him pushing you into those sorts of things was so, but was basketball thing. He almost went D one for. No football actually. Football. So he was a receiver. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, but he always loved basketball and uh, yeah, we, he was always my coach growing up and uh, for basketball, football and baseball and all that. So, yeah, he always pushed me in every sport. So, your mom and dad were in the crowd for a lot of a lot of the games this year. Was that uh, yeah. did they just tell you they were going to be there, or was that uh, were showing up regardless? No, yeah, they they're really supportive. Like growing up, they went to every single one of my games and everything like that. And then my pops got um, 
uh, diagnosed with cancer. So he was fighting cancer um, through the slam ball season. So it was killing him not making those games or anything like that. But then he, uh, he, he kept fighting and then he tough, toughened up for the semis and then the championship to come out and support me. So that was pretty cool. But uh, yeah, usually they're at like every game. So you'll probably see him a lot next year. <laughs> hope, hope he's doing okay at the moment. Yeah, yeah, he's he's good, man. The tuber shrunk and everything like that. So he's doing solid. He's a he's one of the toughest dudes I know. So he's he's doing solid. Okay, awesome. Talking about family, going into your last year at Concordia, your fifth year at Concordia University, you mentioned a motivating factor for trying to play was to play more with your brother Tristan. Would you like to see him join you in slam ball in upcoming seasons? <laughs> dude, we talk about this so much. Yeah, I would love it, man. Like I would I would want him on my team. Like that dude is way more athletic than me, way bigger than me. I think I got a better basketball IQ than him, man, but he's built, he's like a football frame. Like he's, he's like six, six, like two twenty five, solid muscle, like strong as could be. Uh, but yeah, I would love to, I would love to see him on slam ball court. The only concern we have is he uh, ended up dislocating his ankle my fifth year. So I only oh. got to play with him half the season. So it was kind of a bummer. So he's still having rehab and stuff like that. And when it comes to the trampolines too, it's like iffy. So, but I would love to see him out there, man. I can't remember. It's killing me right now that I can't remember. But in the yeah. second season of Slam Ball, there was a set of twins that were playing. It's yeah, uh-huh. I can't remember they, the names. Uh, I can't remember. I remember what team. Uh, what was the team? Was it the Bouncers? I thought they were on the. Uh, I can't remember. All I remember is that the the storyline from season one was that one of the brothers was the one playing, and he had like four injuries yeah. over the season, but kept going. And then yeah. the second season starts, his brother joins him, and the commentary says, yeah, his brother thought if he can do it, I can do it. I'm like, he, like, <laughs> broke his elbow. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, that that would be my brother for sure. Like, whatever I do, he wants to just one-up me and everything, so I could totally see him being out here and trying to beat me at the stopper. I think he'd be a good gunner, but, yeah, I, I would love to see us being like those uh, twins back in the day. So Awesome. Um, you finished university. We're talking – you finished university this year. Uh and then basically jumped straight into slam ball. Was there anything you were considering doing in that gap between university and slam ball? Were there opportunities in sports or maybe in the in the business world? What were you looking at? Yeah, so I was thinking about trying out for overseas um, that summer, actually in July. And it was like, uh, it was like you come out in Vegas, try out, see if a professional team plays you up. Because my dream was always to play overseas basketball. Like, I've always wanted to do that. But then slam ball called, and then I was like, actually, like, I remember seeing it growing up, and I was like, low-key, this could be my sport because I love every single sport together. So this could be, like, one put together. So I just took a risk and tried slam ball and came out. And uh, I talked to Rob Wilson a lot. He he was just supportive, like, with the decision, uh, helpful coming out. But, yeah, so that was pretty much the plan. And I think just really – if like the overseas thing would have worked out, I went back to Colorado, uh, helped with the family business. We work for like an online wellness company. So I pretty much would have promoted their products and stuff like that. And um, yeah, just done just some random jobs or something like that. But yeah, man, slam ball was just a blessing in my life for sure. Especially with like everything going on in my family, like with bills and everything. So it was, it was really like God given for sure. So you're now locked in full time. Cause I know that some guys I've spoken to are sort of like, this is my full time job. Now other guys mm-hmm. are obviously going back overseas to play professional basketball. What's your current situation? Are you looking at other opportunities or are you involved in slam ball full time now? Yeah, I, I, I think slam ball is really like what I was supposed to do. So I think I'm just going to keep a slam ball. I don't want to get injured or anything like that, but I'm just going to be working now. It's uh, just working some jobs back home, probably work with the family. Um, with that wellness company really and 
just try to promote it. I probably just uh, keep using social media and stuff like that. Try to build my brand online. But um, yeah, probably just uh, find a job, man, and uh, live that like small town life. So <laughs> when it comes to the playing internationally, did you have like a specific place you wanted to go and play? I would love to throw Scotland's hat in the ring for getting games. <laughs> I would love it. If you know the Scotland coach, man, hit me up. Like I, I still can, would. I yeah. can try because um, so yeah. the way the way basketball works in the UK is that um, there is only one pro team in Scotland, but we play against yeah. the teams in England. And funnily mm. enough, I did interview the general manager of the team last year. So oh, I'll really? show you your takes. <laughs> hey, throw my name in there, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, that'd be great. I've always wanted to go to Scotland for sure. So like uh, England, Scotland, all that, all those places. So really like anywhere would be cool, man. <laughs> we have good golf courses. So, <laughs> oh, dude, I'm a golfer. So yeah, I would love that. <laughs> you golf was I, I don't. Um, my mom and dad both have done in their lives. Uh, my mom always tells me a story that she won a, a women's championship in the nineties, um, but she does say that's because she was the only person in the championship. So, very cool. Okay, yeah, that's a family golfer. That's awesome. Sorry, my computer out there. You're all right. We're in a little bit of a buffer. Hopefully, we'll get through it. For those watching at home, there might be a sharp cut at some point. Sharp cut at some point. <laughs> All right. Yeah. Oh, there we go. So yeah. what was the thing that tipped you over the edge of going, I'm going to go for slam ball rather than pursue international basketball opportunities? What was the thing that made you go, this is the opportunity I'm going to take first? I think just like, I've always been the type of guy to try something new, really. Like I, um, I don't know, like basketball was great and all, but playing five years, I kind of felt a little bun burnout. Like I just wanted something new really. And just, uh, I don't know, test different waters and all that stuff in my life. So I was just like, you know what? Slam ball could definitely be it. Like I like to, I like to hit people. Like I was, a, I was a hack in college. Like I fouled out so many times and my coach was always worried I would foul out. So I was like, you know what? Now I can just hit people all the time. And, uh, and in the air, I can just take their arms off when they try to dunk on me. So that's pretty, uh, that's pretty fun. So <laughs> I was, I was like, I, I really, truly like, and my coach, um, coach Lindbeck for Concordia, he was like, dude, I think you'd be really good at the sports. So I'm like, yeah, I, I trust his opinion. Like, he's one of my mentors. So, like, um, I was like, you know what? Let's see what happens. And, you know, it turned turned out to be great. So, <laughs> When it came to getting involved with the league, um, what was the connection that got you that opportunity? Who reached out to who? Uh, Rob Wilson's obviously, you've mentioned him already, but Integral and most guys getting involved. What was the, the pipeline that led you to Vegas? Yeah, so Rob Wilson actually called about me. I don't know how he found me, honestly, like a small NAI school. Like, that's just um, that's just crazy how he found me. But, yeah, he just reached out to me. He's like, hey, man, we'd love to have you for a tryout. Um, you're getting paid for the tryout. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, just to go try out for Slam Bowl. I didn't know what to expect. Um, maybe I was like a practice dummy or something. I don't know. But, <laughs> but yeah, like, Rob just called me up, and we talked for a few months. And then he finally uh, said, like um, – Mason Gordon, like all the other guys, um, wanted me to come out for a tryouts with um, like thousands of participants and stuff like that. And they liked my highlight video I sent them, which uh, was done by Coach Tex. So shout out to Coach Tex. Um, but um, yeah, so it's pretty much Rob Wilson. And then um, that committee um, accepted me. And then I flew out to flew out to Vegas. So, so the process for you was lots of people were considered. They gave you the opportunity and then you still had to go and try out. On top right right yeah so we um what is it? so like june 10th is like when we were all supposed to fly there and then we had like a week tryouts and then like from that week like people will be cut and then we had like another week i believe 
of tryouts and then those people were cut. Um, and then there was the draft for like the rest of the cut and stuff like that. So I was just hanging out in the Rio, just waiting for a phone call. And then, uh, yeah, Noah, Noah blues says, uh, sent me a text. He's like, Hey man, you went third round, uh, to the mom. And I was just like, this is crazy. Like <laughs> it's pretty, this, this is just, uh, unbelievable to be drafted and given this opportunity, man. And like, I was just, I was just like, well, if the mob are going to take the chance with me, man, I'm going to give it all I got during the season. So, um, yeah, coach Kirsch then called me. He's like, Hey, congrats, man. You made the mob. And, um, like out of all the teams there, I actually like, I don't know. Coach Carter was a cool dude. He talked to me a lot. He, he kept calling me Justin Bieber, like the whole time. Like, <laughs> I was like, I don't look anything like him, but he just kept calling me Justin. And I was like, all right, but I, I, uh, coach Carter was a cool dude. And then Stan, Stan was really like, uh, helped me out with like tramp jump, uh, tramp work and all that stuff too. So either one of those coaches, but coach Kirsch, I talked to him for a while. And, um, uh, the last day of tryouts, he was like, Hey man, um, do you think you could play stopper? And I was like, uh, honestly, like in my head, I was like, Oh dude, I do not want to do that. Like, I don't want to be up with 15 feet in the air with these high flyers, man, trying to block them and landing wrong or something like that, something going wrong and all that. But I was, I was just trying to make a team. So I was like, yeah, of course make stopper. And then, you know, just see what happens. So, <laughs> so I don't know if that swayed into the decision for me, but yeah. So like later that night, coach called me and said, congrats, man, I can't wait to work with you and everything. And I was just, I just called my pops later. I was like, Hey man, I just got drafted the mob. Like that's, that's crazy. Cause I remember watching him on YouTube growing up and stuff. So it was, it was just truly a blessing. And then we got to work after that. So. What was the, how did you feel about going third round? Is that something that you you think you should have been higher or were you happy to just be involved generally? Yeah, I was just happy to you know, be involved generally. Like, I there was a lot of great talent out there, man. Like, a lot of D1 guys. Like, I like um, a lot of D1 great players, a lot of great D2 players, different sports and everything. So I didn't know where I was going to set. I didn't know if my NAI background would have had something to do with it, but – Coach Kirsch still took a chance with Cam Horton, like who was an NAI player too. And um, and then me too, who's both NAI players. And there was like six in the league. So two of them were on the mob. And like, like just like seeing like overlooking that and just seeing like, okay, these guys can actually ball, even though they're NAI, like that that was pretty cool. So I was like, yeah, if you're drafting me, you're gonna get a dog. Like, I'm I'm gonna like work my tail off for you. I'm gonna get you as many wins as possible, coach. And yeah, I just wanted to repay the favor to Coach Kirsch. So. so did that come? Did that create a chip on your shoulder? Then coming in as one of the only NAI guys that's competing against these higher division backgrounds was that something that you came in the league wanting to prove? I'm better than the background that you're perceiving me as coming from. Oh, 100 percent, man. Yeah, I growing through college, man. Like um, going to NAI school, like you get looked down and stuff like that. But there's real competition out there, and. I truly believe through my college experience, I trained harder. I worked harder than most guys. I studied harder. So I was just, this was my opportunity to prove myself. So coming into slam ball, I was like, I don't care where you came from. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the best one out there. Like, I don't, I don't, I'm not, I don't fear any of y'all's names or anything like that. So um, yeah, just going out there, I was like, this is my chance to prove myself. So I was just very proud of how it turned out. With the tryouts and things like that, again, there there was a lot of talk, or at least I've I've found myself talking a lot about the concept of the Super 24, that initial training camp for the 24 hand-picked guys. From your perspective, was there any, I don't know, 
sense of being snubbed that you weren't part of that Super 24? Or again, was it just this is the opportunity regardless of where they, they asked me to come? Yeah, I think the Super 24 was just like the guys that are higher on social media and stuff like that. And like um, they were good in college and just like social media background and just knowing around the public and everything like that. So I wasn't surprised I wasn't picked 24. It didn't hurt me or anything like that. I was like, well, I'm just going to come in and do my best and just see what happens. But um, so, yeah, I didn't really uh, didn't bother me at all. Okay, You mentioned coach uh, Stan Fletcher and that he took extra time with you when it came to tramp training. I've heard from some of the guys that there was like additional opportunities made available for anyone who wanted extra practice during training camp. Was that something you were taking advantage of or were you comfortable enough early on that you were like, I'd rather rest my body? Right. Yeah. I was, um, I did a few of those things for stopper point, like just to learn from Rob Wilson, like stopper positions like that. So I did like two of them, but really like, after those practices and stuff like that, like I, my biggest thing was injuries. Like I would roll my ankle sometime and stuff like that. So I was like, I just know how to jump on tramps and everything like that. Like, I think most of those were just like learning for people to jump on the tramps and stuff like that. But I think I already got that down. So I was just trying to save myself for the season. And um, when the lights came on, be ready then. So when it came to, yeah. so you were doing stopper drills, even though you were expecting to be playing gunner position, was that just a diversify as much as possible or to better understand how the stoppers are going to be playing against you. Right. Yeah. Like, I think it was huge that I came in as a gunner and then became a stopper. Like I, I, as a gunner, you can like, you figure out the tramps and how to jump against stoppers and stuff like that. So then when I went to stoppers, I can read guys and see how their feet are positioned on the tramps to either go like inclined or like um, horizontal, I mean, straight or like horizontal, but um, so that, I think that was just a huge bonus that I had going in. Cause like a lot of the stoppers didn't train, except for Amir really weren't really gunners or anything like that. So I think that was, um, really helpful. And like, it's like basketball too. Like if you could play every position that, uh, you should, you'll, you'll be solid. Like you'd be the one best, you'd be one of the best on the court. So like coming into college, I was a guard and then I became the starting five man. Like, cause I grew like five inches or something like that. So, and I think I'm like six, seven now. So I just. It just keeps going up, so it's 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 pretty great. But yeah, I think just like having that diversity and having a feel for every position, man, is just huge. So, how does it going through college and starting at like you say, if you were guard, if you grew like six inches or something, starting at like six one, six two, and ending up six six, how does that change the way you're perceived by the people around you? But also in terms of, I know some guys that have that growth spurt deal with a lot of like things like back pain because you're putting on mm -hmm. muscle while at the same time developing your own body. What was that experience like for you going through college? Yeah, it wasn't terrible at all. Like, I think, like, the biggest thing you got to work on, like, with growth pain and stuff like that is just nutrition. Like, if you're getting good supplementation and uh, good source meats and whatever you eat, good source food, really, like, you'll be solid. And then I had um, – I would take ice baths, like, every day, too. Like, I would research in the physical therapy. Like, one of my roommates was a physical therapy major, actually. Shout out, Ian. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he would show me stuff to recover and everything like that. So I think that was huge. And yeah, I think I just always like, um, I don't know, just tried to treat my body as a temple, like always. So I think that just helped out for those, those years. Yeah. Awesome. So into the season itself, you, like you said, drafted third round by the mob, knew the history of the team a little bit, knew it was one of these legacy teams that was coming into the new season. Do you feel like being a part of that team? that was in the very first game, all this different stuff, did that paint a target on your backs for the rest of the season before you even had the success you were having on court, but just name value alone? Oh, 100%, yeah. Like, we're going into the season, like, I, I didn't even know it, but, like, uh, the Rumble and the Mob were the biggest rivals. So, like, during, like, training camps, like that, we weren't, like, supposed to talk to the Rumble at all or anything like that. But 
I still, I still mess with everybody. Like, I, I don't know, like everybody was cool to me and everything. So I was gonna be cool back. But yeah, like going into the games though, like um, you just like had like the, everybody wants to beat the mob. Like they're the most winning team in slam ball. So they're coming for you. So we had this target on our back that we didn't really know. So it was, it was interesting, but I, I liked it. Like I, I love like um, trying to, um, I don't know, take that target and run with it and try to beat whoever tries to beat me. So um yeah like with the rumble it's like that that first game like we scrimmaged them like a week before and we won by like only two or three points or something like that so we were like coming in like all right we just got we just got to uh, run our plays and do our sets and everything like that and uh we did and we ended up beating them by 40 so that was that was cool but yeah, what man. was the big difference for you guys then if you were playing close games because Single digits is the closest game the mob have had all season then because they you did not have any of those during the, the actual season proper. What was the biggest jump from preseason scrimmaging to regular season and playoffs? If, if if you guys went from barely beating a team that then ended up bottom of the standings to, again, dominating them by 40 in the first game. Right. I think what our team does better than everybody is understand understanding personnel. So, like, after we play a team once, like, we know what their, like, big, like, like, best moves are and everything like that. Like, for the Lava, it's that side tramp, top tramp, dunk, and stuff like that. So, like, the first game, we were able to, like, uh, play them and analyze it. And the second quarter, we were – I mean, uh, after halftime, we were able to, like, understand what they were doing. Well, me as a stopper and then just, um, like, play them, like, into certain positions where they're not going to be successful at. So, I think – um, our guys do that the best. Like I think Cam Horton is really good at like reading like the stopper and making him like off balance for Dak to come up and just jump over him and dunk in and everything like that. So I think like we, we just pay attention to people's offenses really. And um, like defenses too. And I think that's just helped us for sure. Like the rumble, we, um, we won by like three in scrimmage, but then we understood like they just want to shoot jumpers all the time and um, they bring their stopper up. So we're able to have that transition for, other um, for um, for the next game, so I think we we're just really good at reading, guys. Okay, we talked earlier about you were supposed to be a gunner, went into the season having trained to be a gunner, and then were asked to be a stopper. Was there any frustration initially with that, where you were sort of told or or said if if you like you said maybe if you didn't say yes to that, you wouldn't have been as high on the the um, draft board for the mob. Was there any frustration on your part of like, I've practiced this position. This is the position I want to play. You're asking me to switch. No, nah, not at all. Honestly, like, I think I believe in Coach Kirsch. Like, he's one of the best coaches ever. And I'm, I've always just tried to bend that guy that just wants to make, wants just to win. So if he thinks this is the best way to win, then I'll, I'll, I'll uh, excel at that position. But yeah, it did hurt a little bit. Like, I'll be honest. Like, I would love to play Gunner and see if I could score as much as Ty McGee or something like that. Right. But um, like he he put me at stopper, and then we just had like so many great gunners on our team. So it was just like, um, like what are you gonna do? So he put me at stopper, and then I actually like prefer stopper now because I can like control the offense and um, like see if like Cam's like alone. He has like a running start to dunk or something like that. I can trick him, throw throw a pass over there, so he has that running start. And um, I really like being that guy who's like the point guard and like controlling the offense and making sure we're in the right positions and stuff. So. It, he was right, so <laughs> Coach Curse was right. So I, I'm glad he did what he did and everything. But yeah, I would, I would still like to try a gunner for one game. So. On on controlling the offense, I think 
for people who are just watching the sport, they, they might not have noticed this as much, but for the nerds that keep talking about it as much as I do, <laughs> the thing that we've latched onto is how insane your outlet passing is and the ability to do it horizontally mid-air. Is that just something you developed in training camp? Because I can't imagine you had any practice doing that before slab ball was a thing. <laughs> You're just yeah, I feel parallel. Right. Yeah. I feel like I could always throw dimes like through college and stuff like that. Like I, I could throw um I could throw dimes and stuff like that. I was always making trick passes behind the back passes and everything. So I always had a good feel for um the outlet pass. Like that's our offense was like we were running gun. So I would get it, look up and deliver. So I think that just helped for a uh, slam ball. But yeah, it's so much fun on a tramp though. Like you catch it like 15 feet in the air, you sort of look around and then you throw it like a QB, like it's 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 pretty fun, man. <laughs> we were talking there about stopper and gunner and, and you said you would like to play it for one game. In games where you guys were are higher up on the score, you did get to play some spot minutes at the gunner roll. Was that you asking for it or was that a reward from coach because you were so far ahead? <laughs> it was a reward, man. Like it was totally a reward. I started asking more like in the championship against Slash or something like that, if I can go and uh, try to dunk on a mirror. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much uh, it was pretty much a reward for playing good stop. He, like one game, I remember saying he's like, "All right, we're having Gage at Gunner because um, he never gets to play Gunner." And then I went there and just tried to score as much much as I could. So in that little bit of time. Okay, uh, talking of scoring, obviously. You're the first guy in the history of slam ball to have a triple double. I know you you said yourself you had no idea that was what was happening when you <laughs> finished it up with a McNasty over one of the top stoppers in the league on a face off. Um mm -hmm. I, did you still not know that's what happened when your entire team rushed you for a hug? For sure. No, I had no idea. Yeah. So like I went in and um I thought I had time to bounce for differentiation. So I went up and then he smacked me in the face. So I was kind of mad. I was like, dude, what the heck? Like I had I had that thing. So then we had the face off and I was like, I don't know in that moment, I was just like, you know what? Let's just try it. I've never tried it before, but let's see if I can do a McNasty. And if it ends up on sports center, like worst plays, then so be it. So I, I went and then it, it just between the hand and then I was able to off arm tie, tie a little bit and then pretty much threw it in. And then when it happened, I was like, Oh, that was pretty cool. And like everybody rushed to the court and everything, man. And it was a cool moment. And then, after the game, uh, I think Stormy told me that was for a triple-double. So I was like, oh, that even makes it, like, even sweeter. So, <laughs> 100%. And um, on on that, because like you said, you just said, I'll try it and see what happens. And if you miss that, to some mm -hmm. people, that's the biggest clown moment of the season where it's like, you had a triple-double. <laughs> you, right, you just yeah. went for it. But right, on the other yeah. end of the court, you're you're playing at stopper where you've constantly got guys coming at you trying to give you their best dunks, their best offensive moves. They're trying to put you on a poster every time, which is, you know, kind of the point of a game called slam ball. At your position and, and as a slam ball player in general, do you think that you need to have a short, short memory in order to play this game so that you don't get bogged down and, oh, that guy dunked on me last time down or, oh, I didn't get hit that dunk last time. Is is that an important skill to have? And is that something... Uh, yeah, a hundred percent, Sam. I totally like think that's the biggest thing. And like for like the mob, especially, we did the best. So, like I would tell our guys every time, like next play mentality, like it happened, like and so we make a turnover or something like that. Like we just got to keep going. Like that's the biggest thing with slam ball. It's so quick. Like you can't dwell on uh, for two minutes because that's like like most of the game. So it's just like you got to have that mindset. You're just like, oh, if you get dunked on, then get that quick outlet pass, and then we're just gonna get dunked back. So like. You know, it's just the name of the game. Yeah, you're going to get dunked on. And a lot of – I feel like a lot of stoppers had that problem. Like, it was just like a disrespect thing. But me, I'm just like, oh, that was cool. And then outlet it and uh, let's just score on the back end. So, yeah. Okay. 
with, with the the triple double in particular, like we said, you you didn't notice it at the time. It wasn't a thing that was on your mind when it happened. Has the significance set in for you since? It's like, wow, this is something that only I have done in this sport. Yeah, it's it's pretty cool, man. Just to say that, like, I have the first I have the first triple double in slam ball history. Like, I didn't even know. I thought somebody else would have it, but going back, I don't know if Cassidy scored a lot. So, <laughs> you know, uh, yeah, it's 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 pretty surreal, man. Like, just getting the first triple double and. Um, trying to be like the Jokic of the league, you know. Like, <laughs> I'm from Colorado, so I love Jokic. So it's um, like it was pretty cool, and I hope to get more in the future. So <laughs> awesome. Uh, that led to well, that didn't lead to, but that was part of your case to be. I mean, it wouldn't wasn't said, but to be the unanimous MVP, I think is fair. It felt like from week two onwards, that was the narrative was that Gage Smith is the best player in this league. Were you worried about getting that award at any point in the season? Was that a focus for you or was it more team oriented? Oh yeah. Team oriented. Like it was a great award, man. But like going into that night, they were saying I was going to get the MVP trophy, but I was just focused on winning, man. Like I, we came this far 16 to no, And like that night, man, I was just like, I just want to win the whole thing. Like I want that trophy. And then I remember Noah Blue having some rings. So I want, I was like, I'm getting that ring. Like I want a ring. Hopefully they have it uh, for us sometime, but like I, I've always just wanted a championship ring, man. And like, uh, like we've come so far and like, like those guys are my brothers now, man. Like it was, it's pretty cool. Like we got bunched up together, like just such cool dudes. And like, I would, I would go to battle for them, man. And that was just like the biggest night for us. So I was just focused on that. Did you feel, like I said, around week two, it was already starting up like Gage Smith is the guy he's going to, he's going to win this award. Did you feel that narrative change at any point in the season? Like, did you feel that, swell of support or is that purely something that i see online no yeah i i, I uh, felt tremendous support man like i just like all the fans and stuff like that like cheering mvp on the side and stuff like that it was just it was just so special man and like slam ball has the best fans like they're 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 rowdy at the beginning it's like that but they're just so supportive and everything and it was just so cool like after game signing kids like autographs and stuff like that and it was just like one like you you hope to do that one day and uh, professional sports man so it was it was just super cool and like uh, i just love the mob fans love all slam ball fans man so it's pretty cool did that change how you were approaching games as the season went on though the fact that now there was this expectation of he's done this for the first two weeks he's going to keep doing it for the next two weeks this guy's you know the best that we've seen did that create any sense of pressure or a change in how you were approaching things or was it not part of your mindset at all no, I just wanted to come out and beat everybody, really. Like, I, I just wanted to come out and win. Like, that was just the priority since day one and try to get as much wins as possible. And then it became, like, undefeated season. And then um, really just winning this the whole Slam Ball Series 6 championship. And now just, like, to reflect that on, uh, talk to my kids about that in the future, man, it's just pretty cool. So, like, I just wanted to win, like, um, so, like, yeah, it was never pressure with the MVP thing. I just I just wanted to be the um, – best team out there with it and this the way i'm going to phrase this may sound like an insult at first but hear me out um <laughs> does did winning mvp to you feel deserved and that might sound crazy for me to say with all your stats and everything but i think a lot of people regardless of the level you get to in sports earn awards like that and sometimes there's a little bit of imposter syndrome of you know i did come this far and did all these things but i don't even know if if this is right for me. Did you feel like, yes, I deserve this award? Yes, I I am the most valuable player. Yeah, I I um always had that chip on my shoulder. Like I 
I don't want anybody. I don't. Every time I come out on the court, like you're not beating me. Like I don't care where you came from. Like I said before, like I I want to be the hardest worker on the court, man. I want to make die for the most loose balls. Like I I want to outwork anybody who's in like in front of me, man. So I think uh, people saw that, and that's why they chose me as MVP because they saw like I was I was willing to outwork anybody out there, and I played the most minutes in slam ball like this year, and I. Um, yeah, I just, I'm just glad everybody saw like this time it was the defend defense guy. Cause usually it's the offense guy, but like, usually like they, the slam ball fans and slam ball community saw like, oh, like we're going to reward like the hardest worker out there. And I truly believe that was me this year. So. Also, and, and on that, on your mindset for coaching sports, I find it really interesting the way that to talk about how you do things on the court versus how you appear as a person obviously your teammates nicknamed you clark kent um, <laughs> yeah that's cool. how do you feel about that versus the one that uh john schriffen tried to get on the call of the eraser what's <laughs> what was better Dude, yeah oh man like i i gotta go with clark kent for sure like that that was pretty cool and stormy said it like pretty sweet like he's a totally different guy on the court versus uh off the court like i've always had that mindset like i'll be your best friend like off the court but on the court man like that's my that's my job out there. Like coach Kirsch, like that's my guy. Like I gotta, I gotta perform for him. So I'm going to, I'm going to beat you. Like I will be friends afterwards, but I'm, I'm just going to go out there and um, just win. But yeah, I got to go with Clark Kent one. The eraser is pretty cool though too. Like, Oh, the eraser races again. Like I don't know. <laughs> that's pretty good. So there is that intentional switch because I, I would describe you as a guy who would come across as humble. I think that might be fair. Uh, nice. And then when you're talking to Coach Kirsch, he's always saying, "Well, other teams have to beat us. You know, we we're we're going to beat ourselves. No one's going to beat us." Yeah. And I I instinctively don't know how those two personalities are going to mesh. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, I, <laughs> yeah. I I yeah. I try to be as humble as I can. Like, but I'm I'm totally a competitor. Like, I'll I'll say to anybody, like, you're not better than me. I'll never admit that. So I think Coach Kirsch is the same. Like, he wants to be the best out there. And I, so, like, I think those personalities mix, like, us trying to be the best for sure, man. But, um, yeah, I, I appreciate that humble comment. Like, I try to be as humble as possible. And, um, man, um, it's – I think Coach Kirsch and I just agree. Like, we're just there to win. Like, so. When it comes to the disrespected aspect of things, because that's when the switch really changes. I think I feel like there's there's those three gears. There's the Clark Kent. There's the humble guy off the court. There's the I'm here to win, and then it flicks another way up when you feel like you've been disrespected. Is that fair? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I, yeah, I just try to, um, man, I just try to give all glory to God. To be honest, like man, I think I truly believe that like he he wrote my story, man. And like, I put all trust in him and like, whatever happens, happens. Like, so I, I just try to like, I don't know, take whatever opportunity I can and just try to make him proud and everything. So I, I don't know. I, I don't know that correlates, but like, man, I just, I try to run with that and like how I uh, take life and everything. So. But when it comes to the idea that someone has disrespected you on the court in some way, why do you go up that next level of, right, that's that's not okay. I need to show you more of what I'm about now. Right. Mm. Is that a yeah, chip I, on your I, I don't take it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I take it personally for sure. Yeah. Like, if you dunk on me once, I do have that mindset. Like, I'm going to – I'm not – it's not going to happen twice. Like, um, anytime, like, my dad said something growing up, like, if you miss a shot, you're making the next one. Like, it's not going to happen twice, so – I, um, yeah, anytime somebody dunks on me, I do take it personally. And like, if they talk smack too, that's especially when I like 
step up. I'm like, okay, I'll show you for sure. So I do have that disrespect side of my shoulder. That's like, okay, like if you dunk on me or if you beat me in this possession, like I'm going to come back and uh, you're just not going to like that side of gauge. So. <laughs> All right. So um, are you a trash talker as well? Or is that, it's a one way street people do it at you and then you you're going to perform against them instead rather than say something. Uh, I don't think I'm, yeah, I don't think I'm a trash talker. Um, I, yeah, I guess I say some stuff like Tony, like sometimes him and me talk like Tony, like he dunks on a few times, like, give me that. And then like right afterwards I've locked him. I'm like, like, I can't say it out loud, but yeah. And then he's like, wow, about time. I'm like, I literally blocked you like five other times, man. Like, yeah. And like, he's such, he's a good dude too. Like I have messed Tony, but yeah, we talk smack, we talk smack of, uh, like, Is he your biggest him, so like that guy to go against is it is it tony or is there someone else in the league that you're more like oh this guy again i think tony for sure like tony's just so quick and i think like speed kills and slam ball especially i think that's also why we were so good but yeah tony's just so hard to read because like he comes in the tramp so low and then like quickly like goes up so i think yeah he's one of the toughest guys for sure with the mvp and everything and i actually kind of talking about Tony as well. Uh, recently, we I released the first ever anonymous slam ball player poll, right? And something that I went into that experience kind of thinking was, with the amount of hype that you got towards that MVP campaign, part of me thought, someone I talked to is probably going to mention Gage as an overrated player. Not because he's not really good, because there's now this perception that you're one of the best of all time after one season. And the results came out and anyone who was mentioned as an overrated player, I talked about it. Your name didn't come up. Is that vindicating from the standpoint of, wow, my peers look at me and they do see the most valuable player. Yeah, that's pretty cool. They're putting me in like that kind of a category. Like I truly believe I still have more work to do to be perceived as the goat and like one of the best of all time. Like I think uh, like Stan for sure, like Stan, uh, no blue Cassidy, like those guys for sure deserve the title. And, uh, I'm just hoping like I could just be able to prove myself for the next five to 10 years to be uh, up there with those guys. So I think uh, like, yeah, people were saying that it's just amazing, but I truly believe I have more work to do. So We have a show on bounce off uh, during the season called this week in slam ball. And in the last one we did before the playoffs, uh, one of my co-hosts Craig Skistimus said that he thinks you could eat Stan Fletcher's lunch in a one-on-one. -on -one. Uh, <laughs> do you, how do you feel about that? <laughs> Oh, man, I would love to see that for sure. Like, oh, man, Stan is just tough. Like, his tramp, his tramp transfers, man, are just unreal. Nobody, like, can do it like him. Like, I feel, honestly, like, now today, like, he would take, like, bounce down and then go to the tramp and then throw a lob to himself and then catch it. Like, you never know. And you have to read his bounce. So, I think it would be a good matchup. I'd like to say I'd smoke him, but, you know, <laughs> I think it would be I think it'd be a fun matchup. <laughs> Healthy competition. We've talked about all yeah. your accolades in the sport. Um, I want you very quickly to rank these four for me in terms of your personal like opinion of what's most important to you personally. We've got yeah. champion, we've got MVP, we've got the first ever triple-double, and we've got league leader in LBRs per game. What's mm. the ranking for you in terms of most important to least important for Gage Smith? I say champions for sure, um, LBRs, MVP, and then the last one. What was the last one? Triple-doubles. Triple doubles, yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. so, so champions for sure, though. Why is LBR second for you? Why is that such an important thing in your, like, catalog of accomplishments? I think for me, like, I just always, like, try to be the hardest worker on the court, and especially in college, too. Like, I would try to get the most deflections, even though it's just not a category you uh, keep track of. So, like, LBRs are kind of like that. Like, 
if you have the most LBRs in the league, that just means you work the hardest to secure like loose balls and stuff like that. And that just shows um, just your efforts and like how you perceive the game and um, what you're going to do for your team. So I think like if you have higher LBRs, you're going to win a championship. So that's why. And then MVP is just like, I think I, MVP is very important. Like it was, it was amazing. Like I, I love wearing the bling around. Like I, I wore it to the lake this weekend and just like showing everybody. So it's pretty cool. But yeah, it's uh, just like the LBRs just show like effort. And like, I think that's just always what I brought to the table. Okay. Um, with all of these accolades, you've become one of the faces of this new league, if not the face of slam ball in 2023. You saw yourself as a guy who was going to fight to get into this league. When you started, did you see yourself as a potential face or has all of this been a bit of a surprise? Uh, <laughs> I, it's, yeah, I would say a surprise for sure. Like I just went in and I was like, oh, these guys are just crazy athletes, man. I don't know how we're going to do this, but I just, I don't know, like after um, like training camp, I was just like getting it down. And then the tramps were just like becoming my best friend and everything like that. So I, I then saw like, oh, I could be one of the top guys in the league for sure. But yeah, getting the MVP in this like, and a professional sport man is just like just i'm just i'm just proud of myself to be honest of course with with this stuff how did your relationship with the front office change as the season went on because you start as third round on a good team etc but by week two like i said calls that you're already mvp did your relationship with guys like mason and rob did that change over time Oh yeah, hundred percent. Yeah, I started talking to Mason more. Like he talked to me before training camp. He got to know all the guys. Like that guy is just so humble too, and just such a great dude. Like it's, it's, it's pretty great to have that guy's like your commissioner of the league. Like, but yeah, after like a while, we started doing like, um, like Las Vegas like news like station talking to the news station together, and we started to get to know each other more. And he met my family and everything like that. So it was. It's pretty cool, man. Like you, like this guy created the sport I watched growing up. So it's it's pretty cool to have like uh, that guy be like one of your one of your good friends. So du- during that daytime TV appearance, he described you as a superstar being born in front of our eyes. Had he said that anything like that to you before you were on TV hearing it? And then how does it feel getting <laughs> that sort of recognition? No, man. Yeah, he didn't know. <laughs> yeah, during the um, TV, he said that I was just like like trying to just be play cool, you know. But it was. <laughs> It was just a cool moment too, man. Like there's just so many moments in this league that I was just like, so many people are just so supportive and it's, it's pretty cool to have. So do you, do you feel like a superstar now after the first season? Does that, do you feel like that yeah. should be attached to you as a, as a description? <laughs> oh man, I, uh, man, that's tough. I don't, <laughs> I, I just, uh, I just want to go out and compete, man. Like superstar. Like I just want to be like the best like team. I want the most wins and slam ball. Like I just, I just want the most champions, man. Like, I just want to be known as the guy that just um, puts his, like, body on the line for the team to make the, that play and just, um, like, outworks anybody. And just, yeah, to be one of the superstars of the league is pretty cool. So, yeah. Are all of these, like, additional media opportunities and stuff like that, is that something you take pride in getting the opportunity to do? Or did it feel like a little bit of a, a hassle when you're also still trying to win a championship at the same time? No, it's super great, man. Like you, you, as a kid, you see these guys, superstars talking on TV, man. And yeah, you just want to do that one day. I, I got to say though, like, it's so hard. Like I got to give those NBA guys credit for playing a whole game and then talking right after, like with Stormy, sometimes I would talk to her and I'd be so out of breath and I would just be like, uh, yeah, as a team, mob out, like, you know, like, <laughs> sometimes miss some of her questions and stuff. I was like, dude, that is actually so hard. Cause you're like, brain is like, 
fogs up from like playing and stuff like that. But yeah, I, I loved every single opportunity like they gave me and I tried to do as much as I could for the sport. And um, yeah, I mean, I just can't wait to see where it goes. It's good that all the teams had catchphrases by the end of the season because it meant if you did fog up, you could just play it more about it and then that's the end of it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, 100%, man. Yeah, I would just go because I can't even do like the thing. The like, thing. I like this. I'm like, mob yeah. out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I got you. It's fine. <laughs> yeah, you, you can do it. Yeah, I have to like tangle them. Just, yeah, but that works. Yeah, I... <laughs> um, let's talk a little bit of like going beyond this season um only a couple of questions with this bit um you put a lot of emphasis on the importance of getting kids into the game whether that's telling friends uh the slam casters you said that you wanted to the potential to do aau tournaments in slam ball that's something you'd like to see or telling your alma mater concordia university that you wish you'd played the sport sooner why do you think it's important to engage kids in this sport as we go forward into next season and hopefully beyond Man, great questions. Like you do your research. That's crazy. Like you, you know, I said all that, but yeah, I think it's just, oh man. Like I think like growing up, I wish this sport was around like in AAU tournaments and everything like that. And like, I found a person like love for the game. Like I, I honestly love it. Like more than basketball. And I think I would have just kept playing and kept getting better growing up. And it'd be crazy to see like, um, like if you started young, like what this could end up with. I think like it'd be kind of interesting with like the hitting part of the game. It's like that growing up, like we'll see how that goes. But um, yeah, man, just like, I don't know. I just want to spark a new generation of slam ball players and just see how like insane this game can get, like how fast paced, how high they, people can jump out, how they can finish over stoppers, how stoppers can read. Like I think there's more this game can do. And I think like just inspiring them and just saying like, Hey man, like, um, just go to sky zone or something like that, you know, like, <laughs> I love it. uh, just try the sport out. Like, I think, I think they can take this game to a no, whole nother level. So, you know, that's why, I, that's why I hang out with them and stuff. Do you think that's um, the idea of doing AU tournaments? Is that feasible or is that just too complicated from like a logistics standpoint? Oh yeah. it. I don't know. I think it could be, I think we just got to figure out like the hitting part and some other rules like with the game, but I think it would be, uh, I think it'd be cool for AAU tournaments, like basketball, like if you just had a bunch of uh, trampoline courts, man, like like AAU tournament, just people playing each other. Like, I think that'd be cool. And the games are so quick, like they can they can flow like an AAU tournament. But I don't know, that's that's down the road. But I, I was just I was just saying that, like, it'd be so cool to have like my kid play AAU slam ball. So I mean, flag football exists for a reason. Just right. Yeah. That's <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Like there's alternate sports like flag football, MMA, like there's all that stuff. So why can't slam ball be another like something like kids can grow up playing, you know? We've got a thing. Um, I don't know how much you've seen of like professional rugby, um, but mm -hmm. there's a version of that for kids that's called touch rugby, where if you get tapped by two hands, you have to stop mm -hmm. and basically just roll the ball between your legs to your teammates pick up. And so huh. there's an opportunity to do something like that, where it's like, got you, you need to stop and hand it off to someone else now. And that's, you know. Yeah, right. I think they could transition like those rules to slam ball too. So like, yeah. I think the trampoline is is still a complicated yeah. part of it. <laughs> That's the bit we're <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, hundred percent. And I think it's just like as a kid too. Like I loved like me and my brother. Like we had a trampoline and then we had a basketball hoop and we would like hit each other and try to dunk on each other and pull cool moves out. So I think like in that game, like that'd be so much fun as a kid, like to good jump on a trampoline and try to dunk on people. It's like so I think it could be a fun like uh, a like fun like game too growing up with. So. Well, this was not a question I had written down, but just because it's we're talking about the fun of dunking on people, if that's not something you can do. At the oh, same yeah. time that Slam Ball was, was on this year, there was a social media 
uh, like spike of a thing called Dunk Ball. Did you see this? Where it was no, like, what's that? It was, it was maybe it was Dunk League or something. It was a group of guys had set up their local basketball league, but they'd set the rim at like eight feet. Yeah, uh-huh. so they were just I did like, see that. We're just going to play normal basketball, but now everyone can dunk. Let's go for right. it. What, what's your take on that? <laughs> I think it's cool too. Like, I think like, I don't know, like you, I always been the guy to try stuff and new and stuff like that. So like dunk ball, like you just, like it's so much fun to dunk. I don't know what it is, but it's just a blast. So like any alternative way you can do it is awesome. So I think that that league is so cool. They created like slam ball. You can jump over the rim and stuff like that and dunk on people. So it's just different ways to dunk. So I think that's pretty cool too. Okay, awesome. My, my last question for you for this amazing interview we had. Do you want to be involved with Slam Ball going forward? That might seem like a very obvious question, but there's the rumored tournaments that are supposed to be happening between now and next season. There will be a next season. Is your goal to get back onto Slam Ball court no matter what happens? Oh, 100%, man. Yeah, I truly believe this sport was made for me, man, and I think I have more work to do, uh, more... Um, man more things to do man so i can't wait for next season like i've been texting all the guys and hopefully we end up on the same team again man and just like uh, <laughs> i i can't wait i i love this sport i love like everybody who's involved with it man so i i definitely want to be a part of it in the future awesome well, thank you very much for talking to me gage thank you for being here on bounce off let the people know where they can find you and everything you've got going on during this off season yeah, uh, you guys can follow me at Gage.Smith at uh, uh, Gage.Smith11, uh, my TikTok. I've made a few TikToks. You guys can follow me too, same uh, user. Um, but yeah, man, follow Sam. He's the best, like best analyst I ever read. Like I remember like the beginning of the season, man, you found all our stats from college and I was just so impressed. I was like, I don't even know how you did that. Like there's just so many guys. So follow this guy right here, man. He's going to, it's going to take off when Slam Ball takes off. So I appreciate you, Sam, having me on and Love all the Slam Ball fans out there. So, thank you very much for those kind words, and thank you for everyone that's watching at home. We will see Gage back on the court whenever Slam Ball returns. But there will be another episode of Bounce Off coming next week. Thank you for listening. Thank you for watching. We will see you soon. Yeah, about. <laughs> <laughs>